Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf. Uh, I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside here of course each and every week is none other than LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Good morning Cindy. Good morning Ted. And and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. I forgot to throw that one in. <laughs> I forgot to throw that one in there. I'm, I'm getting I'm slipping in my old age Cindy. Um anyways welcome to the show everybody and thank you for joining in. And Cindy before we uh, start let me just very quickly remind everybody uh, that we are live every Tuesday morning, uh, unless otherwise stated, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, best way to find us, of course, is to go to blogtalkradio.com, and up in the search key, you can type in Women of Golf, and uh, that will bring you to the main page. And on there, of course, uh, during the live uh, shows, at the very top is, of course, the uh, the link to that show. And for some reason, if you're not able to join us during that uh, that time slot, not to worry. Just go to the link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and you can just scroll down to the on-demand section. And uh, all of the shows, of course, are auto-recorded, so you can certainly uh, catch up if, if you've missed any of the, uh, the previously aired episodes. But uh, we're glad that you're joining us live. Also, go to iTunes.com as well. Uh, type in under the podcast section, women of golf, and that will also take you uh, there as well for those of you tuning in. Uh, through iTunes. So thank you very much for joining us this morning uh, on this very cool January 19th uh, here in, in Florida. And I know, Cindy, I can't, I have no right to complain. <laughs> but um, Yeah, you don't. So zip no, it. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Cindy, of course, is, uh, is uh, in, uh, in the Buffalo, New York area. So they're, they're much colder than we are here in Florida. But uh, we got a great show this morning. Uh, actually, a, a show that we originally were going to air back in December, I think it was December 8th, if I'm not mistaken, of last year, and unfortunately, right up into the 11th hour, we, we ran into some uh, technical difficulties and had to had to cancel. So uh, our very special guest this morning, who was very gracious in, in rescheduling with Cindy, uh, is pa- uh, Kate excuse me, Tempesta, and she is the um, uh, LPJ uh, Teachers and Club Professional and Director of the Junior Golf Program at Montauk Downs. She'll be joining us here in just a little bit. Don't forget, if you're uh, interested in coming on the show or, or reaching out to us, you can do so. Uh, Cindy's email address is cindy at cindymillergolf.com. If you're uh, somebody in the golf profession and you want to uh, come on and feel you have something to share with the audience, uh, you can reach out to Cindy at cindy at cindymillergolf.com. Uh, you can also reach me as well at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And you're always welcome at any time through the live broadcast, if you want to call in and, and say hello to either Cindy myself or, or maybe you have uh, some questions for our guests, we would love to hear from you, and you can do so at area code 347-945-5855. And also, too, um, for those of you tuning in, we would love to hear from you, uh, not just to say hello, but we want to know what you're thinking and what you're looking forward to for this 2016 year. What what areas of your game 
could you use the most help on? Let us know. Reach out to us at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com or myself, uh, Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com and share your thoughts uh, and views as to how you could improve uh, your game and how we can help you do that. So please uh, reach out. We would love to hear from you. Um, Cindy, we've got lots of things happening this year, uh, not just with the show, but in golf. Uh, I know on the men's tour already starting out, uh, Jordan Spieth won last week uh, at the Hyundai in, in Hawaii. So he's off to a great start this year. And who's the new guy that just won? I don't know. You know, I I, I missed the, the, he won that in a part. Playoff. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not. I'm like, uh, who is this kid? I I got to start watching golf more because I I didn't really even know who. There were two kids, the one yeah. kid from Brigham Young, and uh, Zach Johnson, and then this new kid. And it's like, wow, I don't know who he is, and I can't even remember his name, which is terrible. But he just won a PGA no, I, Tour, <laughs> so that's really bad. Yeah, I he just won the program. Yeah, the Sony. And, and I'm like you, you know, you get so busy with different things. And, you know, I used to have a lot more time to, to actually watch uh, some of the tours uh, a lot more. And it just, it, you know, with just so many other things pulling at you all the time, it just gets difficult. And uh, but, you know, so I, I try to recap if I can. And I just didn't get a chance from this weekend, um, you know, through some of the news and that. Uh, but uh, I did watch a little bit through and uh, it, it was really an interesting one of the things that was interesting about the course that they played this week. Um, it was definitely a real shot makers. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, it's always a shot makers course, but this was truly a real test of, of the men because um, you couldn't just hit, go off with a straight shot. You either had to, uh, a lot of the holes, you had to either hit a, a draw or, or fade the ball in. So you had to have that ability. And there were a lot of holes that were actually very difficult. They were very narrow coming right out of the chute. I know a couple of shots that um, uh, Brant Snedeker that was playing, uh, it was literally out of a out of a chute uh, in order to get out to the fairway and didn't leave him a lot of room. So you have to be very accurate off the tee, but you also have to be able to make uh, those shots under pressure, and that's not always easy. And and that's something too. You know, um, what are some things, Cindy? Well, we've got a few minutes here before Kate comes on board um, that you try to do to help people come over, uh, sort of get over that fear uh, and playing a difficult hole. What are some things that you try to, you know, instill in their minds to get them prepared for when they're playing difficult holes like that? Well, I think the number one thing is to realize your ability, the level of your ability. Um, you got to try to play a hole. There's almost always a bailout area and you have to figure out, you know, how far can I fly the ball? So if you have to carry it over water or a big waste area or something, you know, you might, you might want to lay up. You might want to go to the side. You might want to just play it smarter. Um, because what happens, I think, with most people's heads is while they're standing over the ball, they have doubt and mm-hmm. apprehension, and they're not positive, so they haven't committed to their decision. They may not even know they're making a decision. And all right. they hear is the internal dialogue of, you know, look out, be careful, don't do this. Yeah. And then kaplunk. It goes in the yuck. So I think it's getting a little more, uh, having a strategy of how you can better play the difficult golf holes. Well, and and I think it all boils down to, as you said, with confidence in that. And and obviously the more that you play um, and the smarter that you play, you're going to build that confidence. And, And there's really, you know, golf can be a very difficult game, but it can also be an easier game if you have the right tools. And it's not just a matter of having the right clubs in the bag, 
Um, it, it's a matter of working on the mental aspects of the game. And we're going to be talking about that here uh, very shortly as, as you're, I know, putting together uh, a brand new, or shall I say a revised series on the mental game uh, under your uh, brand Own Your Game, which we, uh, which we did uh, the previous year. And it, it was very, very well received. And we want to do it again this year because I think that's an important area. So we're going to be starting that next month. Um, here shortly, so uh, definitely stay tuned for that. But that's a big part of it. I think really, you know, everybody can sort of make do um, with their shot making if it's not necessarily um, the best, that you can kind of navigate your way around the course. But if you're mentally not prepared for what's uh, coming ahead, that can really uh, add the strokes up fast, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, you just need to be very aware of what your skill level is and play holes a little bit smarter. You've got to get away from the doubles and triples. They're at, they will absolutely kill you. Absolutely kill you. Yeah, and, and, you know, Cindy, you've talked about this before on the program about, uh, you know, when you were playing, uh, it wasn't really the, the shots that hurt you. It was just um, putting too much pressure on yourself on, at any given time, and, and and that's something, too, that I think a lot of... I mean, you're always going to hit a bad shot here and there, but I think when you get to this level of play, um, you know, your shot making is, is pretty stellar, I think, but it, it's really the mental side and the, the confidence side. Do, do you not agree that that's really what, what troubled you from time to time throughout well, your play? It's becoming aware of what you can pull off Mm -hmm. and making wise decisions within your own personality. So my personality wants to go for it, fire it at the pin, and it may not be the best choice. So I have to step back and say, do I have a 50-50 chance of pulling this off? And if the if the percentages are against me, I need to lay up and bite yeah. the bullet and take the hit. Whereas, like, Alan is more prone to lay up and play it safe and sometimes he probably definitely needs to go for it, and he just doesn't do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? So you, yeah, you have to find a balance. I mean, there, there's times, as you said, that you need to go for it, and there's other times where you need to be uh, have a more conservative play. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of amateurs make, um, you know, as you said, you have to assess the situation, see what you know where the trouble lies, but you don't have to focus on the trouble and, and let it sort of creep in and, and overtake your thoughts, but you need to be aware of what's out there. And I think one of the biggest mistakes, particularly for men, uh, maybe not so much on the ladies' side of things, but the men particularly I know uh, with a lot of amateurs, is they're very quick to pull out that driver and just sort of try to bomb their way down the golf course. And that's not always the smartest play. There's a lot of holes maybe they could you know ratchet things back and, and go off the tee with the hybrid or even uh, an iron in some cases just to get themselves in position. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and that's where, you know, working with with a professional, um, you know, whether it's just taking lessons or whether it's working, depending on what level you're at, working with a, a golf coach can really help sort some of these uh, issues out. Because a lot of people, as I said, they get out there and they they just try to navigate themselves around the course, and they're, and they're focusing more on their shot making ability as opposed to really thinking their way. And if you look at some of the they greatest players. Yeah. Right, exactly. If you look at some of the greatest uh, players that have played out there, both on the men's and the ladies' tours, uh, they've all been great thinkers around the golf course and not necessarily always had the best uh, physical game, 
Nicholas comes to mind. I mean, there's a lot of others out there on the men's tour, and there's some on the ladies' tour that you know were great shot makers, but not necessarily the best in, in the in the field. But they were great thinkers around the golf course and able to manage their time and their efforts uh, quite well. And that's something that we well, could all. That's, yeah, right. that's what we plan to bring to to our audience with the Own Your Game series. We're going to be offering uh, an online learning opportunity April 4th through the 25th, four Monday nights in a row, so that our listeners have the ability to take some personality assessments, find out how they learn, and we're going to offer four one-hour webinar series and three behavior assessments, basically, so you can find out who you are, how do you learn best, do you want to see it, feel it, hear it, uh, and what What's your mental golf profile look like? Are you focused? Do you have emotional stability? Do you fly off the handle? What do you do? So we're going to not only teach, you know, the audience that on the on the phone, well, on the radio show, we're also going to mm-hmm. offer a four-part series on uh, webinar, live calls. So yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, that's that's great. And, and, and you know, that's that's something that I think that more people need to really, uh, you know, and, and I, I'm – I'm all for going to the driving range or the practice tee and, and working on the physical part of the game. Um, but you have to put time in, in preparation, you know, especially for somebody that's playing, you know, a lot of these club, uh, you know, club members out there, they're playing the same course week in, week out. You know, you can spend hours out in the driving range, you know, working on hitting the, what you think is the perfect shot. But if you're not really thinking about how you're going to navigate around that course and you have a perfect opportunity, if you're playing uh, a home course on a frequent basis, you know, to really just, you know, grab out a, a scorecard and, and just, you know, look at the uh, the holes and just sort of map out what you want to do. Uh, and as you're playing, make notes. You know, I mean, I know you have to be careful and slow play and things like that, but you can still, when your partners are taking a shot, you can kind of make some notes and say, okay, here's, there's trouble over here and, and I need to, you know, this is where I need to position my ball. So there's things that you can do to prepare yourself. And then when you go home and you've got some downtime, then you can take the opportunity to sort of think through some of those holes that you played that day and, and how you handled them and how you could have done things differently and sort of map that out. So that the next time you go out there, you've got a little bit more ammunition as opposed to just worrying about whether you're hitting the shots perfectly. And don't be afraid to ratchet back, uh, especially for the men, uh, you know, on those drivers. You don't need to hit the driver off of every hole. There's no law saying you have to do that. That's just um, something that people have sort of done for years, but it's not always effective. Sometimes you have to be playing smart, uh, and that's what we're going to teach you here on the show uh, both uh, the ladies and, and the men that, that tune into the program. Um, Cindy, let me just, um, uh, she's not quite here yet, but I know she'll be coming in very soon. So let me just read off a little bit here about our guest this morning. And then uh, when she comes on, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring her on board. And then uh, I also want to just remind everybody about your boot camps and things like that as well. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, uh, it's from a previously aired show that uh, we had uh, committed her to join us on. That was back in December 8th of 2015. Uh, our very special guest this morning is going to be Kate Tempesta. She's the founder, partner, and president of FUN, as she likes to uh, be referred to, and is a member of the LPJ uh, Teachers and Club Professionals and the director of the junior golf program at Montauk Downs. Uh, she is uh, leading junior golf professional in the New York City area. Uh, Kate's groundbreaking curriculum combines golf basics uh, with activities that extend and enrich learning in an environment that is both fun and challenging for children of all ages. Uh, she embraces the LPGA's holistic view of the golfer, as well as Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Uh, intelligences, excuse me. Um, 
she takes into account, uh, in account uh, individual learning styles, uh, group dynamics, and ability levels, and knows how to make the most of every learning experience. As a leader, uh, leading expert in the golf industry, she has spoken on several panels about growing the game of golf, including the inaugural PGA of America Junior Golf Summit, the National Golf Course, Owner, golf Course Owners Association uh, Annual Conference, and uh, 2014 PGA Youth and Family Summit, and several uh, section events as well. And she has presented to uh, PGM students at both uh, Penn State University and, of course, Florida Gulf Coast uh, University. So quite a, a, a list of uh, laundry list, if you will, of many accomplishments and many, many more. There's just really too many of them to read all of them out here. Um, but um, uh, we're looking forward to talking to her this morning, and I think she's uh, joining us right now. So let's uh, bring uh, uh, Kate Tempesta to the, to the air. Good morning, Kate. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Cindy. Hi, Chad. Hi. How are you doing, Kate? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for, for um, as I was mentioning to the audience uh, just a few moments ago, uh, we had originally had you uh, scheduled to come back in uh, early December, and unfortunately we ran into a, a technical issue, so we had to reschedule. And thank you for doing that. I know you're busy, so it's uh, uh, we appreciate you giving of your time. Um, Cindy, why don't you start right. things off, and, um, and we'll, uh, we'll continue from there. When I think of you, I <laughs> smile, <laughs> and the word passion comes first. Tell us why. That's, that's a great compliment. I appreciate that. That means the world to me. Um, I, you know, I was very, very lucky. I've always, I, I think I just had two parents that have just taught me to follow my dreams, and they've, I've watched them love what they do for years as educators, and you know, I've always sort of taken the path, least traveled, and figured it out, and I followed my passion and moved to New York City, and I went through three different professions, and I found children, and one thing led me to the other. I loved what I was doing each step along the way, and I, when I found children, I, I just I knew that that's what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be empowering children. Um, I didn't find golf until much later in life, and when I found that, I was equally as passionate. So I, you know, just feel very, very grateful, very, very blessed to be able to put all of these things together and, and create something that just doesn't even feel like work, but yet it's my everydayness. Hmm. That's awesome. You know, that's that's a very interesting uh, statement, Kate, because you know a lot of people out there obviously may not enjoy what they're doing, and I think when you find a passion, as Cindy put, um, for what you are doing, it doesn't seem like a job, right? No, no. I mean, of course, there are aspects of it, the business side of things sure. of that nature. But, but when I'm with the kids, when I'm with other coaches, and when we're, you know, encouraging them to teach a certain way or coach a certain way or teach them our mission and our philosophy and see that light bulb go off and then flip the switch, like, it's 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 a gift. It's a total gift. Very good. Um, Kate, let me ask you something. Uh, Cindy and I were just talking a few moments ago about, uh, I don't know if you were able to catch the first part of it, but um, we were talking about really confidence and, and sort of how to instill that. Um, you're obviously working with a, a lot of juniors and a lot of youngsters and that. What are some things that you do to, to instill confidence and how do you help them sort of find their confidence? What are some things that, that you do in your, your teaching programs to help build that confidence? Because that's obviously important if you want to go out and play your best golf at whatever level it may be. Um, you have to have a certain element of confidence. So how do you how do you do that? There's obviously a natural ability, but you have to also help uh, sort of coach or guide them in that direction. What are some things that you do with your students? Sure. Well, I teach groups of children. So for us, the number one important thing is just creating a learning environment that's that's warm and welcoming. Um, and I don't think that that matters whether the children. Now, granted, my 
my audience is really the like say three to eight year olds. Um, but you right. know, above above and beyond that, even our teenagers and our and our and our advanced programming, you know, regardless of the age, I think it boils down to creating a warm and welcoming environment that's really student centered and understanding that there happens to be a human being. Right. You know, behind the sport and the person that's that's swinging the golf club, and so it's being there for them. It's guiding them through their points of reference, where they're at in any particular moment. Whether it's, you know, I mean, my God, these kids have so much pressure of school and things going on in their world that it, it the the first most important thing for us that we do in every single class, whether again whether it's a three year old or a fourteen year old, is we connect. And if that's sitting in a circle for the first five minutes and and getting those children to understand and know that we're there for them, and we build that trust, um, and we create routines, and there's a structure, um, and there are boundaries, and these children are working within them, but ultimately they know that we're there for them, um, I think that that promotes a huge amount of of confidence. Um, When I'm talking about the younger children, we have four S's in our program. We keep them safe. We keep it simple. We keep them successful, and we keep them. We keep it silly, you know. So I think <laughs> the idea of of challenging them in an age appropriate way and allowing them to feel successful makes them want to come back and and repeat it and do it more and more and more. And that's not to say that we don't challenge them and we don't get them outside their comfort zone. But when we're introducing golf to a three or a four or a five or a six right. year old in very very pivotal you know stages of their development very important that we keep them successful and that we're constantly tuning into, okay, well, when do we make it a little bit more challenging or maybe it's too challenging, maybe we bring it back down. I mean, I've had kids where they've cut from, you know, six inches from the from the snag target and they think they just won the Masters, you know, they get the little fist <laughs> pump going and they, they pull the ball off and want to do it again and again and again and again and when they're ready, then we challenge them and I think it's just a matter of tuning into, you know, when that right time is. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What, uh, do the parents get to sit and watch or do you make them go away? Um, we, you know, we discourage, we have a little disclaimer on our website that asks them to sit 50 yards away. But when we're talking about an age group that's three, four, five, I mean, oftentimes that's their first time in their, in their world where they're, you know, going to an after school activity or they're separating from their parents that way. So we, we allow them to sit in. Um, for a bit and watch, but then we absolutely discourage it. And, you know, we, we educate them. We talk to them that this is their process and this is, you know, when they're around, they're going to be different animals. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, they get it. And, of course, just as anybody that's ever dealt with junior golf or education on any level, any sport, you know, parents are, there's going to be a few. <laughs> you know, there are going to be yeah. a few. <laughs> so you pick your battle, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a few mama tigers out there that hover around the <laughs> Around their children oh. throughout the process, <laughs> and that yeah, that could be yeah, yeah that totally. could be difficult for sure, Kate. And, and you know, I, I know other um, you know teach professionals that that work specifically in, in junior programs, and that is um, you know something that you have. I mean, obviously, they, especially if it's a first time um, you know student that's coming uh, working with with the teacher, and and you know the parents are a little nervous; they're not sure what what's uh, to be expected, and and you can tell them a thousand times, but they're obviously uh, going to be a little bit nervous until they, they kind of get a sense of things that everything's going to be all right. But, um, yeah, that, that is sort of a fine line that you have to, um, that you have to balance. Um, what, what do you mean by when you say whole, the whole child approach? What, what do you mean by that, that statement? Well, I mean, it goes far beyond the physical domain, right? I mean, so we're teaching them a physical skill of golf, but 
you know, what what are they thinking? What what cognitive level are they at? How can we incorporate maybe an academic tie into this into this game? How can we tie in a science or math or geography lesson? Um, they're creative people. They like to play. They're creative human beings. So how can you type creativity? What does that ball turn into? What does the target turn into? What kind of metaphors are you using to talk about tempo and you know, tension or, or any of the essentials of, of playing golf? What, what what kind of creativity are you peppering in? Um, you know, what's going on socially? Are they having a bad day because little Johnny was you know, saying that they could do it better. You know, how are you going to deal with that situation? Because all of that, there's not, you know, it's just like this over and over again, there's just not one domain of development that works mm-hmm. independently of one another. You know, and if you're not tuning into all of them and understanding how each one affects one another, then I think, you know, we're missing the boat or we're, we're just it's not going to be as effective as we possibly could be. So um, that's that's what I mean. Hmm. How many, I I know that you've really grown your program, mm-hmm. you know, in the last few years to be, like, amazing. How many yeah. locations do you have? Um, right now we are currently in, and we well, our winter kind of slows down to some extent because our park programs come indoors and renting space in New York is not the yeah. easiest thing in the world to do. Um, no. So our school programs, our school programs that remain, you know, for 32 weeks out of the year, we're in, uh, I want to say 18 schools currently. We're in, we rent another three indoor locations where we have an offering of 10 to 15 classes a week in there, and that's our sort of direct-to-consumer private program. Um, and then we, um, uh, we're, my, my greatest my greatest joy right now is the Harlem Children's Zone. We're in, we're in the Harlem Children's Zone. Right now I have coaches teaching 20 kids ages 4 and 5 from, you know, very underprivileged schools in Harlem that come to this. They get busted into this huge armory. Um, and that class is going on right now. So, um, yeah, I mean... Who pays for the, that? Do the, do the parents pay for that or the school? No, the Harlem Children's Zone is a really well-funded organization. So they, you know, they... they they utilize this armory, and then there's about 20 different charter schools throughout Harlem. Um, and they, they raise money, and they bring the kids in. And so they reached out to us in April. It was one of my greatest compliments. They found us. They, th- they thought that we were a very like-minded organization, and uh, they wanted us to be their golf provider. So we piloted a program this summer, and they invited us back to come and teach three classes in the fall. And now we're teaching in the winter, and um, we've re-upped our contract, and it's it's just been a great greatest thing to bring to bring golf to kids that otherwise just wouldn't have it and in new york city yeah, absolutely you know it's it's, it's just a, it's a total affirmation each and every time we walk into that place why we do what we do and that this goes far beyond you know the game of golf far beyond absolutely that's yeah, that's, fan- yeah that's fantastic let me ask you kate you know we've heard now for for several years you know everybody the sort of the, the buzz phrase is you know growing the game and and uh and, and that's been going around here for a long, long time. But um do you have do you have a way of monitoring um the students that are coming in or do you sort of keep in touch in, in some fashion so that you know especially the younger ones coming in at you know at three, four, five years old, to see, you know, as things progress, um how many of them are are sort of sticking around the game and how many sort of sort of peter off and just do other things and lose interest. It, it, do you have a way of monitoring that or have you developed a way um, to keep an idea of how many of these these youngsters that that are being introduced to the game, which is very important uh, through your programs, uh, how many of them are, are sort of, uh, you know, sticking with golf as time goes on? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Ted, and I think you know, there's part of me that's going to rock the boat a little bit and, and just tell you that my why of what I do, what I do, has always been, um, you know, again, I'm going to totally rock the boat and probably <laughs> make a bunch of all professionals out there upset, but I have no problem with that. I'm in it to the growth. I'm in this. I'm right. in what I do to grow the child, and I right. believe that by flipping that switch and, and changing the way of thinking and that if we really grow the person, then that ultimately in the long run is going to grow the game. I don't know how to, you know, put a statistic to that or keep track of that. Sure. You know, the, the other side of that is that I've been in business since 2010, and, you know, my my kids are all three and four or five when they start. And so, yeah, I've got I've got plenty of kids that have been in the program. I've, Brian Shaw has never missed a semester since he was age four. He's now mm-hmm. 11. Um, you know, the, the short answer is no. I don't have the formula for how to keep track of that. And it's not that's not important to me. I mean, obviously, from right. a business standpoint, I want to be able to, you know, state those numbers. Um, and we'll figure that out if, if that's ultimately at the end of the day what's truly important. But, but beyond that, what's important is that, you know, you see these kids for a few semesters and they're using golf as a vehicle to become empowered and to develop all these different domains. And if it means they go on and take a risk in another, another venue of their life, whether it be, you know, now they're not shy and they want to go play soccer or, do, you know, just do right. other things that kids should be doing, then I feel like I've done my job. And if they come back yep. to golf, you know, I mean, I get pros throughout the throughout the country, really, that say, oh, you know, little Sally was in your golf program, and now they're down in, you know, wherever. They're out in South Carolina. Um, or the pro at Maidstone. Oh, I had I had Katie in my program, and she said that she learned how to play golf with you. You know, so, I mean, I hear a lot of that, but I don't, right. I'm not putting numbers to it. Well, yeah, not a great answer, I know. No, I, that's, no, that's. That's perfect. Uh, you know, I agree wholeheartedly like with to, you. I, yeah, go ahead, Cindy. Sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I've got to ask her, how did you get into the 32 weeks per year with the school system? I mean, that's awesome. How many schools are you in? Well, we're in 20 to 25. But, again, so every single school we're not in for 32 weeks. I'm just using that as an academic calendar. Some schools we are. And some schools were in, say, a fall program, and then we're not in again until the spring. And it's just based on the location and what their, you know, logistics of whether they have a cafeteria for us to use or whether they have the gym. Or what, I mean, many times, 90% of these schools that we're in, we're not in a gymnasium. And you'd be amazed at what we teach in. We teach in a cafeteria. We teach in, you know, a hallway and three classrooms. We teach in, um, you know, some schools we do have a gymnasium. We teach on a rooftop only in the spring because that's when they can take us. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just how many kids go- are in each class? Um, anywhere between, I, you know, I will, I will put a coach in a program as long as we have a minimum of four kids. And then we go up to Marymount, which is an all-girls school on the Upper East Side. We have 18 kids there, 18 girls. Wow. And um, that's class. our biggest program. Yeah, that's our biggest program. And we use Central Park as our classroom. And then when it gets cold, we go into an auditorium, and the girls have a blast. I mean, my coach Val's just rocking that program for five years now. They love it. What are some and of the ways? Pay for this? Do the parents pay for it after school? Yeah, so we're an offering of their after-school program. You know, the children can elect to take chess or fencing or golf. Um, so that's our our school program, and then our direct-to-consumer program is you know parents sign on privately through us, and that's when we have our right. classes and then they bring them. So what do yeah. you charge for a child to take the after-school program, and how much is it per class? 
Um, right now, I mean, all right, we're in New York City, so let me just preface that because everyone's like, you know, sticker shock. So our lowest paying school is twenty seven fifty per child per class, and our we go upwards of thirty five dollars per child per class. And how long is the class? Um, an hour. Some are an hour and fifteen hmm. minutes. And you bring the snag balls. I have a coaching kit that has a mixture of tools. Yes, I have snag in it. I also have, uh, depending on the age, I might have little golfer. I have birdie ball. I love birdie ball. I have U.S. Kids golf. And then I just have what I call my prop kit, and that's just things that I've used over the years, things yeah. that I took from my creative movement classroom that that um, that I put into the kit, and they you know supplement the, the traditional golf equipment, and that's what really creates the game. So every coach that goes into a school with a coaching kit has the same list of materials. That's awesome. So let me ask you again. I'm sorry to ask you all these questions, but I I love it. I think some of our listeners might be interested. Why is the first tee in New York City? Yeah, the first tee is in New York City. Um, well, number and one, do you have, have pro- issues? I don't. I don't because Cindy, well, we're we're really. Um, yeah, I'm a part big part of it is we're just teaching an entirely different socioeconomic demographic. Um, the other part of it is that they don't have a program for three to six year olds, which I hope to solve. Um, hmm. And the other part of it is they are sort of on the outskirts of, or, or, or they're not going into the communities, quite honestly. I mean, they're either at Chelsea Piers. I don't know that they do anything at Randall's Island. And then they do something out at Moshlu, which is a little nine hole golf course that we bring kids to on Saturdays. So we're, we're going right into the communities, which I think is the difference. But yeah, they're going what they're to supposed to be doing. You know what? Honestly, I I probably should know a little bit more about the ins and outs of the first tee. What I can tell well, you, and is I that don't I, either. That's why I thought, yeah. wow, I commend you. You are amazing. This is great. It's really really cool. Thank so you. If you I were, just, let's say let's say we're at some elementary school. Would you mm-hmm. do one program after school or? You know, from three to four, four to five, five to six. Again, it just depends. It depends on on how they structure it. You know, some like we have a school downtown where we do a three fifteen class and then a four fifteen class. And again, that's just the way that they run their after school program. And then at say a Marymount, again, their after school program is simply three thirty to four thirty, and that's it. So we're just one class. Um, we are in discussions right now with an organization called Change for Kids. And that would start up in the fall, where we would actually—it's um, a great organization, similar to the Harlem Children's Zone. They cha- they 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 seek out schools that are in transformation, so very transformative principles um, that go into really you know low socioeconomic pockets and pick schools, handpick schools, and provide funding for things that they need, things that they're lacking. So whether that be art or music or phys ed. So we're in conversations with them right now to go into the schools that they deem you know, need more physical things and put golf during the day into those schools. So I'm really excited about that partnership. Um, same thing with Harlem. Harlem Children's Zone, we sort of act as their physical education class, so to speak. So kids are getting buffed in at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and we see classes back-to-back. But the the private schools that we're in, we're the after-school providers. We are one of many after-school providers. Cool. That's so cool. it really... If we had an after-school program at, you know, Silver Creek Elementary, would it be once a week or or every day after school? 
You guys would, well, the, the school would have an after-school program every day, how much they chose to plug golf in. So another example might be, um, you know, we're at, say, Sacred Heart, and we teach their pre-K and their kindergartners on Mondays, but then on Tuesdays they have us back to teach their first and second graders. And, again, that's just how how they structure their program. And, you know, we go in, we pitch the program, we consult, and we say that we're going to tailor our program to meet their needs, and we do it. A lot of it, too, Kate, I imagine that, um, number one, as you said, it, it depends on the, the school's after-school uh, after program, what their curriculum is, but also um, the level of interest at, at a particular location. If they have um, a large interest uh, coming from some of the students to want to have you uh, come there and do what you're doing, um, then that yeah. may involve opening up additional days throughout the week, correct? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. What um, do you work with? And obviously, you, you're going to have, in addition to some some uh, assertive parents, you're going to have some kids that even at a young age that maybe uh, have been introduced already to golf and are very interested in, in wanting to play at, at different um, you know levels throughout their their um, process. Do you work with any other junior programs in the area for those students that maybe show specific talent that may want to learn or know how to go about um, getting involved? Do you offer some of that uh, advice, whether it be to the parents or to the kids, to you know those that maybe want to go into a junior program where they're actually playing in uh, in junior events? Do you have any sort of affiliation um, connection? Our affiliation, I would say right now, we have, again, our advanced kids that we bust out to a facility in Riverdale, just north of the city. It's just over the, um, it's just like five minutes north of the city, and it's an indoor facility where it has a couple of simulators and some hitting bays and a, you know, a synthetic putting green. We take our kids to Moshlu, the nine-hole golf course. Those are for kids that advance out of our program and want, you know, they want to really, really get into golf um, in a more traditional way. That mm-hmm. is that's my association right now. We just, the Big Apple LPGA Girls Golf, um, we work with them. Um, we do some special events with them, and we have a program called Friday Night Swings. Um, she actually mm. just reached out, the head of that reached out to me, and she wants me to come in and talk to the parents about getting involved in the U.S. Kids Golf Tournaments and what that looks like and how to support their kids. Um, so, yeah, there, there are opportunities. I wouldn't say I do a huge amount of that, but, you know, certainly as the business grows and more and more kids are coming through the program and getting, in, you know, becoming interested in golf, I would assume, I would expect that there's going to be a lot more of those opportunities. Fantastic. And what about yeah. the importance of play? I mean, obviously you want to teach, um, you know, the kids sort of uh, some of the, the basic – I mean, at that level, it's you know, you can't get too technical with them, and you, you want to teach them sort of the, the fundamentals of golf, if you will, and sort of the basics so they have a general understanding. But how important uh, is play for them um, and getting them out, in, and as you said, out on, on the course or out in a, a sort of real-life uh, situation? Uh, how important is that in, in part of the development of your program? Now we're talking about play. Okay, you just threw me off a little bit. Play is your okay. Life. You're okay. You're talking about play within within the confines of the program, right? Yeah, that's. Okay. I mean, is, is that is okay. that what you're referring to? Us is silly. It needs to yeah. be silly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. That it's num- it's number one. It's absolutely the number one. It's 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 how we. I mean, my I sign off every email as play to learn, and you know, I just think that that's again, that's a huge. 
way that not only golf or any other sport, education for that matter, is missing the boat. I mean, these kids in New York City, they go into kindergarten, they start having homework, and they're, you know, they're not able to stare at the walls and create and play anymore. And it gets too right. serious too soon. And, and what I've learned over the years of teaching juniors, early, early juniors, I've also learned over the years that the older juniors want to play. Who doesn't want to play? We forget how yeah. to play. We grow up, we get old, we forget how to play. And that's just, it's not <laughs> the way our bodies, it's not the way humans were meant to be. We're meant to play. We're meant to have play in our world. And, you know, it's, it's uh, all of these concepts. We call them birdieism. Birdie was in Golf Digest this month. I'm very, very proud of Birdie. Birdie's mm-hmm. our mascot. And birdieisms are the wit that those are our coaching tips. That's how we teach the fundamentals of golf. So you give me a concept, I challenge you to give me any concept, and I can give you a birdieism on how we teach children. And it's just a simple metaphor. It gets on their level and uses their points of reference. And they they can they understand tempo and shaft angle. They understand tension awareness. They understand posture. They understand grip. They just don't understand it in the technical terms that golf pros you know spit out. They understand it on their terms their points of reference. And these kids are learning. They understand that when they bow to the king, that ball goes up in the air. They stand straight up like a pencil and they swing. The ball's <laughs> not going to go in the air. They're understanding trajectory. They're understanding how to get the ball up in the air. I mean, all of it. They just, I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, let's hinge at the hips and let's get our... Right, right. I mean, who wants to hear that? Oh, my God. They don't care. No, <laughs> they that's don't true. care. But they're learning it. They're, they, you know, they understand a chip shot is just keeping it under the glass table because they don't want to break the glass table. Because, you know, mom would be upset. And they know it's a medium swing. And before they know it, they know that the ball is going to travel only that far because it's a chip shot. And they're three, four. So, what you know, would, we build what, it's the points of reference that we build on. And then as they get older, and we'll pepper in. Hey, remember when we were talking about squishing the bug? Well, that's actually called pivot and weight transfer. And here's what it does. You know, and then they know. They understand it. Right, it's more age appropriate. Um, totally. Yeah, I, I get. I understand what you're saying. I, I misunderstood what you meant uh, in in that uh, in that talking point. I thought you were referring to, you know, getting them out and 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 having them play, um, you know, in more real life golf situations and that. But I understand what you're saying. You're right, and I think I think it is important that they first and foremost, as you put it, um, they have to have fun. They have to enjoy what they're doing. And and if it gets too technical or too overwhelming or too demanding. Um, they're going to shy away from that because it just makes it too difficult. What do you do or what would you advise? Because there's obviously you know a lot of people out there. There's some great uh, professionals out there that are also working in, in junior uh, programs. But if you were to sort of impart some wisdom to, to some of your fellow pros in, in working particularly with this age group, what would you advise them on, on how to really sort of handle their curriculums? And I know you're not trying to tell them how to run their business, but what would you advise them from what your experience has been over the last several years? I think my greatest tool has been being in the classroom for so many years and understanding the developmental differences between each age. You know, I oftentimes, as I get a new coach that's sort of wet behind the ears, as I listen to them, you know, and here's just one silly little example. You know, they might teach to a six-year-old as if they're, or they might talk to a six-year-old as if they're four, you know, and or they might, or vice versa, they might talk to a four-year-old as if they're six, and you're going to lose them. You're, you're going to lose them one way or the other. Um, because if you don't understand where where children are at developmentally, and what I mean developmentally, I mean by six months at a time at these particular ages, you know. But even if they get older, big differences between eight year old and eleven year old. Like, what's relevant in their world? How do they socialize? Watch them play. Give them fifteen minutes of free time and watch them play and see how they interact with the world, with the, with each other, with themselves, with you know, a ball or whatever it may be. 
and just start to tap into and understand where they're at and then, you know, use your curriculum and build one around that. You know, use those use those that bit of information and build a curriculum around that. I, for me, that, that would be my – and then find mm-hmm. people to support you that love children, <laughs> that know children, right. because that's going gonna, gonna to be a huge weapon. I mean, who, I'm sorry, but who cares if they know golf? If they know children and you know the golf, yeah. then you, you've, got a, you've got a winning combination. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's fantastic. What's been some of the feedback that you've gotten through the programs, whether it be from parents and or even some of the kids that are doing? What's some of the feedback that you've gotten um, that's helped you to um, sort of do what you're doing and, and keep keep that that process going? What's some of the feedback that you get from your students and, and the parents as well? Well, we have Testimonial Tuesdays, so if you go to my Facebook page and see a testimonial today, we collect testimonials from after-school directors or parents or students themselves. And, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. When a child is running to golf class, you know, from yeah. from <laughs> Madison Avenue and they're running and the mom's like, hold on, hold on, um, you know, that that right there. But to see the joy yeah. on the child's face and to, I mean, we've got, I'm very, very blessed. You know, we've got parents that would, go to bat for us any day of the week and they put together custom classes. Here's here's a good example. We've got um many parents that are putting together custom classes and you know, getting kids from the same classroom, their child's class to come and take golf because they and and they're just word of mouth, you know, they're just telling telling other parents about it. You know, even though you don't play golf and nobody in your family plays golf, here's a great program, it's very child centric. Um, you know, this is Kate, she's an educator for ten years. So it's I was very blessed. I was in a private school in the Upper East Side for 10 years, and, and I've been out of that for six. And we still have, you know, every single classroom from that preschool creates a custom class because they know that what we do is so much more than golf. Let me just uh, ask one other question with, with respect to the business side of things. Um, mm-hmm. is, is your program, uh, because there's so many national junior programs out there, I mean, there's a, a, a hundred thousand of them at least that I can think of just off the top of my head, and that's without doing a lot of research. Um, is your type of program something that would be diff- difficult to nationalize? And the reason why, I, and, and let me just clarify why I mean that, because what you're doing really here is you're, you're growing the game in a different way. You're actually growing, the, as you said, the, the child's development. To put this on a national scale, is there a danger that it becomes too commercialized, and and the point that you're trying to to make here today is is it's about the child development, not so much about you know the next uh, hundred thousand or a million golfers coming in. You know what I'm saying? Um, is there yeah. a danger of 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 it getting too big that it, it sort of loses its its focus? And how do you go about combating that? Do you think? I mean, I think that that's inevitable. There's always that. I mean, I want to maintain quality control, and I'm I'm in conversations right now with with a national expansion project with a with a camp program that, that has 45 different territories across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also in conversations with a school system out in California that we're going to be putting it into um, in the fall of 2016. Um, I think it's recruiting the right people. You know, again, it goes back to finding those those people that really know children and, and tapping into the education world, and not necessarily the golf pro world. Um, but yes, it is absolutely something that can be nationalized. Doug Lowry up in Canada has licensed my curriculum. He's had 300 kids ages three to six in his program. He's he's a phenomenal junior golf coach who has you know, tons of juniors in his program. He didn't have a seven and under group. So he brought me up. I trained eight of his coaches. He went out and put the early birdie program in four of his facilities. And before you know it, he had 300 kids, ages four to seven. Um, so 
So you know, there, you do offer licensing of your program. That's, yes. That's great to know. And then every coach would get a sign, and all my coaches get a sign, and they get a login to my website, and they can see. So we have a written curriculum. We have version one, version two, and then all of our games and our curriculum is in the inside of our website. So you get a login. I have an Edgeify subscription, so for 15 bucks a month, you can come in and get a little window into what we do, which I think is really powerful, because I could sit here and tell them blue in the face and tell you about these games that we play and how much the kids love them. But when you actually see them in action and you see the faces and the kids light up and, and the teachable moments that are going on and how we do it and how we teach our birdieisms, I think that's really powerful. So, yeah, there's a bunch of ways out there to um, to bring this in soon. Honestly, I mean, I think every golf course across the world should have this program. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Nobody, they really nobody should. should be. And, you know, and here's the thing. Somebody asked us the other day, well, why don't they? Well, because they don't want the kids running around the putting green. Well, here's the answer. Create a space and a place for them to play. You don't need the golf course to teach three- to six-year-olds. You can bring right. them out for, for some of the time. Absolutely, that would be wonderful. Of course, that would be wonderful. But a wing foot, you know, I'm telling my friend Allie Beeble, you use the parking lot on a Sunday afternoon. You don't, you don't yep. need the, the putting green. You don't need to worry about Mr. So-and-so. Um, there's just there's no reason there's no reason why every golf course across the world could not have a program that is catered to the three individuals. Yeah, I, I agree, and I like the central. I like the fact that you do things in Central Park. I mean, you know, being in uh, you know visiting New York many many times over my uh, lifespan so far. I mean, it's a beautiful city, and and Central Park is just absolutely gorgeous. So I could see as a youngster. I mean, I wish I had that opportunity to be playing in Central Park. Um, you know, on on any given day, that's a lot of fun, and uh, well, that, uh, you know, I, I could right see how they would enjoy. That's been a blessing. That right there has been a blessing. I mean, that forces you to get outside the box and get creative, and that's where my best games have come from. And any child, you know, who doesn't, who's not going to love chipping over a park bench or like trying to hit a garbage can <laughs> or. You know, playing a par game to a tree rather than a hole. You know, you're still learning right. par, you're still learning order play and etiquette. You're just you're hitting a tree, um, right. and that's where the creativity comes in. And it's 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 been a, a huge blessing. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, Kate, we just have a, a few moments left here. I want to give you an opportunity, obviously, um, in addition to, to talking about your program, uh, to let the folks know where they can get in touch with you or how they can go about getting in touch if they're interested in, and uh, number one, maybe uh, getting their school involved. That would be a great start. And also, uh, as a parent, uh, wanting to find out more about the programs that you offer. So where can they go to do that? Um, sure. Do you have a web? My, go on. Yeah, my go on. website is, is K-T-U-G-A, and that stands for Kate Tempesta's Urban Golf Academy.com, K-T-U-G-A.com. Um, they can always email me at Kate at K-T-U-G-A.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page, which is just Kate Tempesta's Urban Golf Academy, and that just, you know, keeps you posted on day-to-day events, maybe some calls to action, or, as I said, Tuesdays. We used to do Tuesdays tips. Now we're doing Tuesdays testimonials. Um what else? What else? I mean, I have Twitter, which is KT Urban Golf, and Instagram, KTUGA2015. Um, but beyond that, I think the website really, you know, right. I, I, I have my blogs on there. You can really get an idea of my philosophy. It has um, information on licensing. It has the schedule. It has my blogs. It has it has everything. Fantastic. Well, Kate, we yeah. want to thank you. Yeah, we want to thank you for coming on. As always, we enjoy, um, you know, having you you talk about uh, the. A pa- obviously, it's a passion for you, and and rightly so. You've done a fantastic job, as, as Cindy had talked about, 
and we want to wish you much continued success and know that you you always have a home here on the Women of Golf Show. You're welcome to come back anytime, and and maybe the next time you come back on, maybe somehow we could work out to maybe have uh, one or, or more of the students. Uh, I know it's a little difficult with three to six year olds, but maybe uh, <laughs> uh, some of the students, maybe we could get them to uh, to call in with you and and uh, talk about their experience and and some of the things that they enjoy about the program. Uh, I think that would be fun for the for the listeners to hear it right from the as I say from the horse's mouth. So. But, Kate, um, much continued success, and thank you very much uh, for sharing that information with our audience this morning. Anytime, Pat. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cindy. I'll see you next week, Cindy. Okay, honey. Can't wait to see you. Thank you again. All right. Great job. I love you guys. Thanks. Love you, too. All right. Thanks, Kate. All right. Bye-bye. That was, of course, our our very special guest this morning, Kate uh, Tempesta, the director of junior golf uh, program at uh, Montauk Downs and, and obviously has uh, some great things going on at a lot of the schools. I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, you know, Cindy, one of the things I like, it was interesting about what Kate talked about is, um, as I said, there are, there are a ton of junior programs out there, but many of the programs that, that we often hear about are, are really uh, a funnel, if you will, into other junior programs to, to get them in competitive play and think, which is, you know, an important area as well. Uh, but there's a lot of kids out there that maybe don't necessarily have the desire to play at a competitive level, but they just like what, what they can do and, and just enjoy uh, going out there and just having fun. And that's really what we want people that, that play golf is, first and foremost, is just to have fun, right? Absolutely. But she's making a difference in children's lives. Right. And who exactly. cares how good they get? That's the point. Right. Yeah. She's making uh, a difference in children's lives, and that's her number one mission. And whether they ever keep playing, she doesn't care. Right. But you know what? Right. They're going to like her, and they're going to like golf. They're not going to hate golf because of her. Right. And, so and that's, whether they that's, keep playing is up to them, you know. And that's what it should be about. It's not yeah. about how many tournaments have you played, what did you shoot, how many times right. did you hit balls this week. That's not fun. No. So it's age-appropriate is what it is. Right. And, and, that, and that is um, – that is the point. You know, I think that if, if um, you know, we in the golf professional, I mean, obviously we, we all want to do different things to grow the game, and, and it is important to, to you know, want to encourage people to, to play golf. But you, you hit it right on the head. I think if, if they're having fun and it's an enjoyable experience at that age, they're more than like, certainly not everybody, but a good percentage I think will say, hey, you know, this is something, you know, as they get older are going to want to continue that journey. And whether they, uh, again, whether they play competitive or whether they just go out there and play with uh, some friends or family at, at some point later in their life, if it's a pleasurable experience as a youngster, they're more than likely will gravitate uh, later on in life. If it's not a pleasurable experience and they're not enjoying and it's intimidating and it's, you know, all of these other sort of negative things that sometimes we hear, and that's not just in golf, that's in everything, um, they're not apt to want to uh, continue that experience as, as they get older and mature. So uh, kudos to, to Kate Tempesta for doing a fine job up in New York, and, and, I, and I wish her all the success in, in expanding that program. Um, speaking of fun, uh, very quickly, Cindy, I know that we've got to go here, but um, remind everybody about your boot camps coming up. And um, yes. if there's Boot still camp, some availability. Uh, yes, there is. Um, February 14th to the 18th, there is still one spot open. And April 6th to the 10th, I think there's two. At Orange County National, if you are interested, email me, cindy at cindymillergolf.com. And the other thing is I just put a little note on Facebook yesterday. I've got a lot of free golf tips so you can sign up for some free golf tips. Maybe I'll send you the link, Ted, and you can okay. post it. Okay. I 
I would be more than happy to. Um, for those of you that may be tuning in for the first time, uh, Cindy Miller, of course, is probably one of the hardest working women in golf today. She's always on the go, always got something uh, cooking, if you will, in, in, uh, in golf, um, whether it's play or whether it's uh, helping others out there. So you definitely want to visit her website as well, uh, cindymillergolf.com. Lots of great things there. Learn more about the boot cams that she does. And if you're interested uh, in working with Cindy Miller, make sure that you reach out to her at cindy at cindymillergolf.com. Um, one, one final note, um, next week, of course, is the PGA Merchandising Show. I'm doing my darnest. I was scheduled to come down. I'm not 100% sure yet, Cindy. Things may have changed for me here uh, this past week, so I'm not even 100% sure. But I'm going to do my darnest to make sure I get down there, and if so, we'll, we'll make sure that we get together. But I'll, I'll let you know uh, as we get a little bit closer. But um, for those of you that are tuning into the show this morning, thank you very much. As always, uh, we enjoy uh, having you tune in, please spread the word. Um, we're here to stay and that we're always uh, going to have some great, uh, interesting guests and we're going to do some very exciting things as the year progresses. So make sure that you stay tuned uh, here in the Women of Golf. Thank you very much for all of the audience uh, around the world for tuning in faithfully and all of our special guests that join us each and every week. Um, and thank you, Cindy Miller, for all the great work that you do. Thank you, Ted. It's a pleasure. All right. Have, have a great week, everybody. God bless. And we'll see you next time on the Women of Golf. <laughs>